The pick six is live following another soul-crushing Green Bay Packers loss. We'll get to the action on the field against Minnesota. We'll look ahead to this weekend against the Rams. And we've got some off-the-field news as well. Rashawn Gary's getting paid. Russell Douglas is heading to a team that's actually going to contend this year. We'll get to all of it coming up in the next hour right here on the pick six. Welcome to the Pick 6 Halloween 2023 edition. I am Brendan Dorzinski. He is Jacob Westendorf. He is one of your favorite writers for Packers Central at the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. I went to a college that is ranked 21st in the first college football playoff rankings in 2023. We've got a bunch to get to coming up in the next hour. Obviously, we'll get to what happened on the field at Lambeau this past week. Um... It, it sucked, man. Like it, it was awful. It was unpleasant to watch. The defense is as bad as ever. The offense is not even stuck in the mud. They are face down, ass up, buried in mud at this point. And uh, no real sign of any way to get out. So we'll get to that. We also, of course, have the big news. Rasul Douglas, he is on his way to Buffalo. Rashawn Gary, he is not going anywhere. He got paid this week. Absolutely <laughs> I was pouring one out. and to accomplish. I was pouring one out for Rasul, but like, Literally. I didn't think it was actually going to pour out onto the computer. That's not good. Like, okay, we're good. all over the computer. That's it's sort only of a, a, it's a it's a thousand dollar machine. That's fine. Yeah, everything's you know, going whatever. great over here. Um, before we get to the news and the Packers and our extra point for today, uh, not out trick or treating with the kiddos tonight. It is snowing, so no. <laughs> like short, short version no no um, so? to be honest with you uh so here's the thing my son is one and does not know or care about the difference and pretty much doesn't eat candy anyways because he doesn't have the teeth sure. to was such a such a thing and my daughter does not like dressing up i don't know what it is i remember like ever since she was two i can vividly remember a tantrum she threw we were trying to dress her up like elsa from frozen and she is screaming, no, 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 I don't want to. So we just haven't really done it. The, we have around here, I don't know if they do this. I'm sure they do. But uh, the nursing homes have like trick or treat. And since I work at yeah. one, my wife works at one, my mom works at that same one. There you, you know, that you can kind of go to those and it's indoor then. So, and they both still were recovering from ear infections and blah, blah, blah. And they get sick enough as is. So. Mm. Uh, no, no trick-or-treating, and it's freezing fucking cold, so I'm not doing that. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I We don't get trick-or-treaters where we live anyway, but candy on sale at day after Halloween tomorrow. I'm going to buy a I almost more. I want to buy so freaking much of it, and I'm going to live off of that for the next several days here at home. All right, we do have a ton to get to, so let's dive right in. Let's get to this week's Extra Point. Speaking of Halloween festivities, food another wonderful extra point courtesy of my co-host jacob all right late night snack you like to eat i like to eat i don't think that is uh out of the realm of you know reasonability you stay up fairly late i stay up all hours of the night you're up 1 30 a.m sad that your favorite football team is crappy and that your college football team is going to be sent to the gulag soon uh what are you eating what are you munching on to ease the pain one of those things is true. We'll see about the other one. <laughs> but uh, I am a Dairy Queen cookie dough blizzard uh, with, Ooh. and I, sometimes I like to add Oreo to it. Uh, shout out Mark Trova, the inventor. And sometimes I like to add Snickers to it. Um, it kind of depends on that. But I am definitely a blizzard soft serve ice cream type if it's cold. Uh, if it's, I do enjoy... Uh, shout out to Aaron Alice for this answer, <laughs> microwaved popcorn, and I will put and melt craft cheese on top of dude. That's deranged. Uh, it I'm is sorry, delicious. Is you have, have you tried? No, try it. I'm telling so you to gross. try it. I'm just asking you to try it. And if you hate it, you can tell me I'm disgusting and say all the things my father used to say to me before he passed away. And I will expect and respect all of those things. Like, <laughs> come on. 
Come on. Um, no, I'll I'll ask my wife. My wife loves popcorn. She could there eat popcorn go. all day, every day. I will ask her if she would ever try that. Yeah, uh, give it a shot and see. Uh, like I said, uh, or if she prefers uh, shredded, but cheddar and or American cheese is absolutely delicious. Uh, crimes against humanity, you know, whatever, man. If that if I'm wrong, I don't want to be right. And you can blame my mother because my mom did this when I was a kid. And I will also say that I think I think that everything is delicious. That's what it really boils down to more than anything else. So um, popcorn is a, is a personal favorite, and, and I really like that. So, I mean, when it comes to snacks, I'm never really going to say no. No, nope, that's fair. I have a raging sweet tooth. So for me, I mean, it's anything that's sweet. I eat a lot of ice cream. My wife like likes to bake and is great at it. So, you know, cake or brownies or cookies or whatever. I'll Forgive me for my ignorance, but is there a worse combination than sweet tooth and type 1 diabetes? You know, it's not great. Uh, it's not <laughs> the best thing going for me in my life. It'd be awesome if I like loved celery instead but i you know celery's fine Who but the no, hell give like me... celery though like i always chuckle like do you have a, there's a buffalo wild wings there i presume right of course like when they ask like oh do you want celery and carrots with your wings like no <laughs> what no i want See, french fries I, I will do celery i will get some celery you know use it to to break up the heat a little bit here's here's one for you here's a very fitting one considering the packers just played the vikings the two things I'd say three. The three things on earth I hate the most, more than anything else in the world, are the Minnesota Vikings, terrorists, and carrots. Those are your three. I loathe those little orange bastards. I hate them, and I will not eat them. Uh, all I hear, so Minnesota Vikings, Ohio State Buckeyes, and and carrots. I understand. I like carrots, actually. <laughs> um, carrots with ranch dressing, one of my favorite uh, healthy snacks, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know for like, if I'm happy, the way that I consume food is I do one of two things. I am either really good and I do what I'm supposed to. And I eat a vegetable and with a protein, blah, blah, blah. And I drink water and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Or I consume 2,500 calories in one single meal, three times a day. Like to me, if you're going to do it, do it big, man. And that might be why my family's got a history of cardiac problems because we all felt the same way when we were when we were kicking. But I just like if I had a cheeseburger for lunch, why am I gonna have chicken and broccoli for dinner? Because your day's already ruined from a caloric sure. standpoint. But I don't know. If you ain't cheating, you ain't God bless you, Gil. I'm pretty sure that's a reference to something else, but I'm gonna let somebody else make that joke and not me. <laughs> All right, let's get to some actual Green Bay Packers football. Our guy True North chiming in. Perfect timing, perfect segue. This season has been all tricks and no treats. I'm going to say we have one on the field. Yeah, it's been it's been crap. We have one treat. That is the fact that we know Rashawn Gary is not going anywhere. We have two pieces of personnel news to get to. I'm going to let you, Jacob, lead our Choose Your Own Adventure show here today. Do we start with the Russell Douglas trade or do we start with the Rashawn Gary news? There's going to be enough bad, so let's start with happy, and then it'll be just a pile of crap to end the whole thing here. I like the way you think. All right, we've all seen the news at this point. Rashawn Gary, cover everything in cheese. It is finally done. We knew this was going to get done. You have been telling people on Twitter, and I'm sure in real life, for days and weeks and months, maybe a year at this point, this deal is going to get done. The Green Bay Packers, if they want to keep their guys, their homegrown players, they keep them. They do not let those guys get away after the first contract if they want to bring them back. They are able to keep their guys. And Rashawn Gary is the kind of talent you do not let get away. That dude is a game wrecker. He is a game changer. He's one of the most disruptive edge rushers, pass rushers anyway, in the NFL going right now. And he's doing all of it this season, coming off of the ACL injury. He's a freak. He's a stud. And the contract the Packers got him for is not exactly break the bank kind of stuff. It's the front loaded stuff the Packers love to do. Four years, $107 million. I, Whatever the cap numbers eventually end up looking like, 
here's what you need to worry about with the salary cap. Do you have a good accountants? If the question, if the answer to that question is yes, don't worry about the cap. You're going to end up being fine. It's whatever you need good accountants. That's all you have to do to take care of that. This is a great deal because he's a great player. We're going to get to how many guys on this roster as it stands are like cornerstone guys, or at the very least guys that you legitimately passionately want to see on the roster next year. 52 is not at the top of your list. I don't know what you're watching. I know he's at the top of your list, obviously. But no, this is this is unanimously, overwhelmingly good for the Packers. And frankly, since the beatdown of the Bears in week one, it's really the only unanimously positive thing we've had this season. Yeah, the Oreo inventor said it best himself here. Like, if you don't pay Rashawn Gary, who is a player you drafted, spent time in, developed, made him one of your best players, if you don't pay, this is a different argument and a different sport and something that was actually disheartening for me was when the Dallas Mavericks lowballed Jalen Brunson, where it was a guy they drafted with the 33rd overall pick. He's a success story. He's awesome. He's your best player's best friend, blah, 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 blah. If Dallas isn't going to pay him, then who the hell are you going to pay kind of thing? And that's mm-hmm. kind of the deal with Rashawn Gary here is I know that the conversation surrounding this team right now is poor because they stink and they do. But when you're talking about a rebuild, even when you're talking about a rebuild, you can't have the entire team built like Green Bay's offenses right now, where it's literally Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and a bunch of children. Like, that's how that is on that side of the ball. You need cornerstone players, face of your franchise type players, trading a marquee player at a premium position that you didn't have to pay like Nick Bosa, which, like, that was the nice part of this deal for me is what I keep saying – to everyone who's willing, like Rashawn Gary's awesome, but there's a gap between him and, you know, Nick Bosa or uh, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, players like that, which by the way, the Packers play. If you want a sobering thought to be Jordan Love for a minute, look at the list of pass rushers the Packers are going to play in the next month. It's not fun, but nope, not the, uh, not the point I'm getting at here. They got him for a deal that is like the perfect meeting of, good really good great player but not like super elite freak show superstar like those other guys i just mentioned they got him and i can tell you from you know and my reaction with this is you know limited but he's a leader in that locker room and and that's something the packers gave away one of those guys today and we'll get to him in just a little bit too but the packers need guys like that especially as like this is going to get harder before it gets easier, you know, the, yeah. if the if the Packers don't win on Sunday, we're looking at what is likely a nine game losing streak. Like, I mean, sure, they could win and, you know, any given Sunday, all that good stuff. But you get to a point where you know, are they are they favored to beat Pittsburgh, the Chargers, the Lions or the Chiefs? Hell no. So they lose these next five games on top of what is already four. That's a nine game losing streak and they're two and ten. Got to have guys that can keep the ship steered in the right direction. And Rashawn Gary is one of those guys. You know, we could talk about the conversation surrounding the people in charge and, and everything like that. And I think there's things to be had for that. But one of the feathers in the cap of the guy who builds the roster is Rashawn Gary. You know, one of my initial thoughts was he wasn't at the draft and not a lot of Packer fans were, but Twitter essentially booed him mm-hmm. the night of the draft. And now he's turned into probably their best player. And and this is one of those, again, I, I'm happy that this will dispel the, well, are they going to tag him and trade him and try and get picks off of that or whatever? Like, yeah, sure. It's like the mystery box thing from, from Family Guy. It could even be a boat. You know how bad we wanted one of those. You hope you can draft an edge rusher that becomes as good as Rashawn Gary. And, again, he's their best player. He's a leader. He's faced the franchise. And I'm not worried at all about the classic, well, they paid him and then he got lazy or too happy or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. phrasing you want to like his work ethic is second to none. And I always found it hilarious, the work ethic or the motor concerns about him coming out of Michigan that were just completely unfounded. And it was crazy. You got these anonymous people saying stuff like that. And then it's like, okay, but Don Brown is defensive coordinator, Jim Harbaugh, his head coach. Devin Bush, Chase Winovich, David Long, guys that were drafted in that same class saying he's our best player and he's our hardest worker. I feel like that carries a little bit more weight than the anonymous person saying, oh, there's this one play 
where the play was all the way over there, like 40 yards that way, and he jogged. So Well, and two, this for being a Michigan fan and watching him his entire time at U of M, like he, based on his hype as a recruit out of high school that he produced at that similar disappointing from that standpoint. Right. right. But that's not like, you can't just look at like sack stats from college and say, Oh, yep. Bust or not bust. Like it, he's either going to work or he's not because he had X numbers or X like, that's not how it works. You, if you want another example outside of the realm of the Packers, great example. And I know you, I'm pretty sure you liked him a lot coming out of college, starting edge rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs right now from Purdue, George Karloftis. George Karloftis mm-hmm. is awesome. He is a free, he's a lot like Gary in a way. They're slightly different body types. I think Gary's a better athlete overall, but Karloftis has an incredible motor. He never gives up. He's tough as hell. He's only gotten better as a pass rusher. It was the same thing. Like you have to look beyond, oh, well, you know, he got double teamed a bunch, but he didn't get a lot of sacks. So that's concerning. No, you've got to look beyond that. You always had to look beyond it with Rashawn Gary. He has lived up to all the hype. I mean, shoot, he's the prototype for the guy the Packers drafted this year in the first round and Lucas Van Ness. It's, you know, I don't know exactly what's going on in Brian Gutekunst's head or any of the other scouts or front office people any given time, but it was very clearly a similar thing. Big 10 pedigree, huge athletic, great tester, probably raw at the NFL level at first grows into a pass rushing freak. Now it's worked for Gary. Don't know if it'll work for Van Ness, but the fact that it's at least worked out once, like you said, I mean, that's a, that's a credit to Goot. That's a win for him. And it's a win for the Packers to keep this guy around. And those are the only wins they're getting these days. So we'll take them whenever we can get. Yeah. Um, our pal, Mark, and again, you're going to have to explain the bit to me at some point uh, with the frowny face for George Karloftis and uh, Devonte Wyatt, not switching places. Yeah, not Man, I watched a bit. He invented the Oreo. That is a real thing. Not a bit. I'm just going to DM him at some point and ask where this came <laughs> from then. All right. Uh, yeah. Wyatt, I mean, there's there's some stuff. Like, there's some traits that you see that jumps out. I know he's been good at getting after the quarterback this year, even though he is completely incapable of stopping the run. But, yeah, I see, I've seen every snap of Carl Loftus's career covering the Chiefs. And, yeah, man, he's, he's that good. He really is that dude. So that's the good, though. Rashawn Gary sticking around long-term. Awesome. Love that. Perfect. Glad 52 is around. Now I know my next jersey, by the way. Not that anyone cares like what I wear any given day, but I've been waiting for someone to be locked down long-term who's actually good. And uh, now I know it's Rashawn Gary. So now I can go from my beloved 52 Matthews to my 52 Gary. Boom, perfect. Great day for me and me personally, obviously. The next piece of personnel news, I, I'm super curious where you come down on this because I feel like a lot of the reaction has been really aggressive about this particular trade. We know what it is. Rasul Douglas, he's being traded to the Buffalo Bills. Him and a fifth-round pick to Buffalo. Packers get back a third-rounder from the Bills in next year's draft. I felt like when this news broke, I was on the air in Topeka. I was doing my show, and the news broke, and I thought, that sucks. Like I like Rasul Douglas. He's an awesome personality. He has been – you want to talk about a feather in the cap of the pro personnel department for the Packers. I mean, off the scrap heap a couple years ago – and he became you know, a leader for the defense. This year, he's been among the, what, the three or four best players on the entire defense, if not the top two or three best he's players right on the defense Rashawn, this year. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, right yeah he's been Gary. awesome this year. And, like, it sucks. I, I liked having him around, and I, I wish him the best. He gets to go play for a contender that desperately needs a corner. Like, good for him. I will miss him on this team. And, he, yes, he's a leader. Yes, people went to him for advice. We saw that all over Twitter after the game against the Vikings. But, like, guys, the, the Packers sucked with him. Like, this is not changing the trajectory of the season. I don't believe this is – my whole Twitter was tank, tank, all oh, we're tanking, tank commander. Guys, it's one player. It, it is one player on an expiring contract who wasn't coming back next year anyway, who I believe is on the wrong side of 30. Like, this – No, and his contract wasn't expiring either. He was under contract for next year, which is why – Oh, is it for next year too? Okay. Yeah, which well, is why I'm a – I'm disappointed because sure. I mean, again, when we're talking thank about you for the fun, correction, by the way, yeah, what an asshole, right? Um, no, no, that was, no. That, that was very earnest. <laughs> God damn. Uh, I can't even be earnest. Um, no, I, I I'm disappointed about it. Uh, just because that's a guy like, again, I think when, when we're talking about keeping the ship steering, right? Like I'm, I'm telling you guys, <laughs> 
the bumps are coming if this losing streak continues. Like if you guys think Jair Alexander saying, I don't know for 10 of his 20 answers in the locker room after the game is bad, it gets worse. Like wait till you hear about players have lost faith in Matt LaFleur and Kenny Clark punched Joe Barry in the face after a meeting or like I'm making that last one up and being sarcastic, but still like stuff like that. It's going to get a lot worse again before it gets better. And I feel like you needed a personality like Rasul Douglas to kind of continue the no nonsense. No, this is not a youth thing. Like I appreciated him saying, no, the only guy who gets any, um, like a pass is the kid that they had from the international program. And that's yeah. it, you know, cause he's never played before the rest of us have played football and, and Rasul is right. You know, we'll talk about this in a little while, but the way the Packers have played, there's a difference between growing pains and embarrassing or incompetent or whatever superlative you want to use. And the Packers are on the wrong side of that right now. A third round pick doesn't do much for me simply because it's not traded. And that takes out even the fact that the Packers third round picks have been a tire fire for the last 10 years. Yeah. It's not ammo to move up and get a quarterback in the situation that they're picking one. Say if they finish fourth and need to get to two, like that third round pick's not going to be the difference between moving up to get him or not. Mm-hmm. And it's just not a, a high impact type of pick. You know, it's not a first. I, I said last week, I think I would trade guys for a first or second round pick and that's it. And Douglas is still good. The Packers right now with Alexander having a bad back might have zero good corners. Not one. They've gone from champagne problems to a beer budget and they're drinking natty lights. Like it's not a good situation. And now you're almost rebuilding the corner room again because Eric Stokes is out for at least another month. And who knows if he even comes back and if he comes back, what is he? So justice Mosqueda wrote that. I think it's a statement about the job security of Brian Gutekunst. Because yeah. if he's selling off pieces, then he knows he's not getting fired no matter how crappy this goes. Whether that's right or not, we can talk about too if you'd like. But I'm disappointed. Rasul Douglas is cool. I've spoken with him several times, um, both prior to this year and this year. Find him engaging. Find him smart. And he's a really freaking good player. Like he is. He's, he's not going to be on that list of best corners in football with Sauce Gardner or whatever. But He's good at everything, if not, you know, great at nothing. And I think the Packers need more players like that, quite frankly, because it almost feels like their defense is a mix of really good player and like inconsistent to not good player. And Douglas was one of like three players on their team that was consistent all season. So it's a bummer. So and just to to clarify and again, earnest question here. Like you're you're saying that the value that he brings is more valuable than whatever a third round pick is or could be. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think you know that's the other thing is when you look at next year. You know, I keep telling people, and I said this before the season started. These guys don't have just a free role, like they don't have license to suck. If this team is bad this year, and they are, if they finish bad, somebody's getting fired whether that's all the coordinators, the head coach, the quarterback, whatever. And if the head coach survives a bad season, well, guess what? Everybody and their mother is on the hot seat in 2024. And that includes Brian Gutekunst, or at least it should include Brian Gutekunst. Agreed. So are you committing to sucking for a second season? Because that doesn't work very well. They need, and if even if if Green Bay is keeping Jordan Love for 2024, and there's a lot of questions to be answered before that, the team yeah. can't stink again. Like you have to get some kind of growth between this year and next year. The problem is this team hasn't grown at all since the start of the season. They've gotten worse, quite frankly. So, yeah, I don't think that the third round pick that Green Bay got supersedes the value of what Rasul Douglas could be for this team. He might be their best cornerback. Jay Alexander's got a back injury. Who the hell knows whenever that's going to be okay? Maybe it won't. That's the scary yeah. part. No, Who I knows? mean, it, it's very possible it won't. And I guess what it comes down to me for me, and we're going to get to Jordan Love here in just one second, but just a, a closing thought on Rasul Douglas. I guess 
the way I come down on it is I'm not as viscerally reactive to it as I think some of the emotional response and just general reaction I saw to it. Like I, again, it sucks. Like he's a good player. He's a really good player and he's a key piece of this defense. And he's one of the few guys who has actually shown up this season. That has, that is worth something that should be worth something that should somehow be valued. But by the same token, like I get it. Like I, I understand why the Packers did it. If you want to dispute the actual value they got back for it, that's a fair discussion, but I, I get it. Like, I'm not surprised that a team that really sucks was willing to take a day two draft pick in exchange from a team that really needs a corner and is contending right now. Like I, I get the move. I feel like I saw a lot and I know I'm responding to other people responding, which is just the best way to make content. But I do feel like there was just a lot of, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe this happened. Well, really like being upset about it and thinking it was the wrong decision, I think is different than not getting why it happened. I guess that's the the place where I fall on this. Like it, it can both suck and be understandable. I think at the same time. And with that, what a, a man, I'm just killing it with the segues sucking, but understanding why something sucks. Let's get to the green Bay Packers offense. And we have been doing throughout the course of the year. We said this, when we first first doing our planning meetings, when we started up this show before the season, before training camp, we said every week we're going to have to talk about Jordan Love because he is the most important person for this franchise in the year 2023, bleeding into early 2024. We're going to look back on what he did, what he needs to do better, what he's done well, et cetera, et cetera. But this week, I wanted to change it up a little bit because I know you referenced this in some of your post-game thoughts on Twitter and over at Packer Central, and I had a very similar thought, and they were talking about this on the TV broadcast, which was interminable. I saw this coming up on social media. Other people asked me about it. It's all over. The question for me at the moment is how much of the offense's performance, both this week and recently, can be pinned directly on Jordan Love, and how much of it, how much of the blame needs to be dispersed among a Bad offensive line. I'm not I'm not willing to say it's struggling right now. Right now, as it stands, this offensive line is bad. It is straight up bad at the moment. And a receiver Aaron Donald or, this week. Is he good? Uh he's decent. Yeah, he's an okay player. Um it's, yeah, yeah. Like I don't love that. I'm, I'm not super thrilled about that matchup. And you've got a, a playmaker core. Like we love everyone loves Aaron Jones. He can't stay on the field for one reason or another. Dylan has struggled. After that, I mean, you and I could probably be RB3 and 4. Well, you could. I'm really skinny. I'd be blown to bits. But you know what I mean. Like, that's who's at running back 3 and 4 right now for the Packers. The tight ends are are a ways away. I was hoping Musgrave could do more early on. Right now, he's like flare screen guy, which is fine. But that's not, not really his skill probably... set at all, which is No, maddening. it's frustrating. And you've talked about Kraft. He's forever away right now and look the wide receivers I'm still I still like them and we'll we'll get to that specifically later but like eventually you got to make a catch in traffic guys like you've got to make a hard catch at some point if you want to be a long-term NFL wide receiver Watson has not been able to do that this year for whatever reason Reed dropped a pass into an interception or misplayed a pass into an interception this week like there's a lot of problems that's not to absolve Jordan Love, though, of the things he is struggling with. So how do you kind of split up the blame for this? And, you know, the coaches have to eat some of it, too. And maybe blame is not even the right word for it. But just how do you sort of assess and distribute the problem points that this offense is dealing with right now? Um, There was once a, a very famous Jim Mora speech and not the one that you guys probably think of right away, but I think the one that's even better than the playoffs thing is <laughs> when he was coaching. We can win a game. All right. When he was the coach of the saints, he says something along the lines of, well, that sucked. We couldn't do diddly poo on offense. We couldn't run the ball. Didn't try to run the ball. Can't complete a pass. We didn't pass down the field, blah, like just all that kind of stuff. It's phenomenal. If you guys can find that, but it's kind of the state of the Packers offense. You know, what do they do well? I was talking to Trey Watson for today's Pack-A-Day podcast. He basically said, like, is it Jordan unable to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers? Is it the playmakers unable to make plays when the ball is near them? Is it the coach for not putting these players in position to succeed and getting them the ball in the spots they have? And the answer to me is all three of them. Like, the third down, the first third down of the game, where Love threw up a prayer to Romeo Dobbs, and it 
turned into a bit of a wild play that didn't count. But like, that's an RPO that they screwed up that I think is a screw up on all three levels. Number one, Jordan, give the ball. You're running behind Elton Jenkins. You can get one yard, I would think, and just get that first down. Maybe you get something moving off of that. So Jordan, give the ball. I think it's been decided by myself and other people much smarter than me that Christian Watson was the one at fault for the RPO. Christian, do what you're supposed to do. And Matt LaFleur, maybe just call a straight run play. Keep it simple. And like start doing stuff that way. And then once we master the simple, then we can start doing some of the complicated stuff. And maybe LaFleur's argument back to me is that is simple. Okay. Not simple enough for this crew. I think LaFleur mm-hmm. said it on Monday that feels like every play on offense, somebody is making a mistake. And it does. And I think that goes with the coaching staff as well. You mentioned the flare screen stuff. I can remember. I don't remember exactly when. But I was sitting next to Bill and I pointed and said, if Musgrave runs up the seam, they've got him here. Like, I don't know if he would have walked in for a touchdown or, but they would have had some yardage if he ran up the seam. He ran an out route. Middle of the field was, I thought, pretty open. And that could be based on just a live look of everything, but they're not asking him to stretch the seam. And the 50 50, like, at some point, the playmakers have to make a play for their quarterback. Like the yeah. pass to Aaron Jones, it was bobbled out of bounds. Is that a good throw? No. Did it hit him in the hands? Yeah. Catch the freaking ball, man. Like you have to. Christian Watson, got to make a play. And I know they're called 50-50 balls for Trey kind of said this last night. I thought it was funny. They're called 50-50 balls for a reason. That means it's a flip of a coin of who's going to catch it. Well, mm-hmm. Green Bay is not catching any of them. And – and they have to, you know, Reed getting the ball taken away from him. Matt LaFleur said after they drafted him that one of the things that attracted them to him was his my ball mentality. Well, that was a perfect opportunity to showcase that against Josh Metellus. Instead, Metellus gets an interception. One play later, it's 24 to three. Boom. The game's over. Yep. Like nobody, and you can tell me all you, nobody in their brother ever thought that game was going to be close ever again. And it almost kind of sort of got there after the Preston Smith strip sack. And then predictably they went four and out. Um, if you want, I don't like doing blame pie charts or anything like that. And I know it's kind of a lame sure. ass answer, but like the no, answer, the answer to me when it comes to how much is here and is it, who cares? <laughs> like All of it's bad for anybody. Something frustrating to me during the games is like seeing people be like, no, Jordan love is not the problem. Like, not the whole problem, but like, let's not pretend he's playing like MVP level Patrick Mahomes and everything yeah, else. Man, the, sucks. the tooth, uh, I think it was, they were both, they must've been fourth quarter um, based on which direction the Packers were going. He missed two throws, one to the left sideline, one to the right sideline that like, yeah, there's pressure. Yeah. Guys aren't making plays for you, but dude, every quarterback in the NFL has to make these throws downfield. And if the every ball comes out of his hands and it's more than 10 yards down the field, I just assume it's not going to be caught. Or near the receiver, because that's the way that it's gone. They haven't hit on any of those. Like their biggest play of the season was a busted coverage. Mm -hmm. And maybe they've had more, but the guys are running wrong routes or loves not seeing the busted coverages. And I can't point that stuff out. Obviously, I'm not saying maybe that's a thing, but like they can't do simple. They don't make any big plays. Like, yeah, the quarterback's a problem. And I continue to completely not understand the people that are looking ahead and saying if they're picking first or second, that you just pick the best left tackle or Marvin Harrison, and you can't just punt on the three years that you've given Jordan love. Yes. The hell you can. They drafted Jordan love when they did not need him. That wasn't fair to him or Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, man. Them's the breaks. Caleb Williams is a better prospect. And, and this is a team that everybody now is starting to say, oh, they're rebuilding. Well, you can't rebuild and give Jordan Love a hundred some odd million dollars. Because listen to me here. The decision is not Caleb Williams, Drake made quarterback for 2024 draft or Jordan Love for one season. Because the quarterbacks in recent memory, and I looked this up, and if I'm missing somebody, please forgive me. But 
quarterbacks in recent memory that have played as a lame duck one year left on his deal or franchise tag or something like that. Kirk Cousins signed elsewhere for Washington. You really want to emulate the Washington Redskins football team slash commanders under Dan Snyder? No. No. Dak Prescott, Jerry Jones, and Daniel Jones. Megalomaniac. Daniel Jones, who the who the Giants then gave a billion dollars to. So your choices are extend Jordan Love for the Daniel Jones contract because there is no, well, see if you get him to sign a team-friendly deal. Nope, he ain't doing that. It's not how that works. Or draft a new quarterback and start over. And again, I'm saying this if things go the route that they go. If they are picking in a position to draft Caleb Williams or Drake May, it is a no brainer. I do not care how good Marvin Harrison Jr. is, and he's awesome. I do not care how good Joe Alt and Oluf guy from Penn State, whose name I can't pronounce yet. I don't care how good those guys are. None of that matters if the quarterback stinks. And if you're picking first or second, chances are the quarterback stinks and everything should be on the table. Arizona did it with Kyler Murray. Yeah, no, that's true. And I guess that's what my response then is to the question of, well, who cares? And I guess my answer is it's above our pay grade, pay grade. Like it's not something that I am in the business of figuring out or evaluating. Like I can evaluate it for my sake or this show's sake or for the, however many people follow me on Twitter's sake. Like I can evaluate it for that, but it's up to Lafleur and Gutekunst and everybody else in the front office to evaluate how good is Jordan Love? Is this a guy we can hitch our wagon to long term? And that's that's why I asked the question because it. And again, maybe it's something we can't answer because I I don't have the trained eye for that. I just have what I've taught myself. Like, what is what is this season? What is this offense as it stands right now telling you about number ten? Is it telling you that you've got enough there that you can rely on him and you can give him that the Daniel Jones contract or? Yeah, the other guys are struggling, but he has not been good enough. Now, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It is essentially a moot point if you have a top two pick. Or potentially, depending on how things fall and who's picking ahead of you, maybe a top three pick. Because maybe Drake May doesn't go second overall. Top three. Let's just leave it there conservatively. If you end up with one of those picks, that is the most valuable pick you can have. Because you essentially get your pick of anyone. And if you have a chance to upgrade your quarterback position and you can take anyone who is available, you've got to go do it. You you have to. And by that note, restarting the clock on this rookie quarterback contract where you are going to have to pay him a gazillion Mm -hmm. dollars one day. Because again, there's no mid-market for quarterbacks. You don't get to do that. And if you're paying your quarterback mid-market money, he's probably not good enough anyways. The other thing about this piece of analysis that annoys me is the whole, well, that's not how the Packers operate and Jordan Love is guaranteed two seasons. Well, number one, um, just because it's not how the Packers operate doesn't mean that's how I have to think they should operate. And maybe they should operate differently, number one. Number two, this is an unprecedented situation. The Packers, over the last, the whole time of the Packer way, the, they've moved on from quarterbacks who were in their 30 pluses and they were ready to move to the next guy. It wasn't Favre sucks. It wasn't Rogers sucks. It was, we're ready to move on. We got a young guy we want to try. Number two, at some point, I do think that this crew that's running the show has to act in some sort of form of self-preservation. And can mm-hmm. you really afford to roll the dice on a, questionable quarterback yet because by the end of the season right now i can't picture a scenario where you're sold on jordan love as the future unless they just win out which (laughs) yeah right um yeah i can't picture a scenario where you're sold on him so at some point they have to act and get another opportunity but i've said it a million times since the beginning of the year this is not just a free roll and i think people don't understand just how bad you have to be to win three games in an NFL season. I said like Matt LaFleur could get fired. Brian Gutekunst probably won't. Jordan Love could be one and done. And at this rate, it is a most extreme of scenarios, but it is playing out. Said it a million times. I wrote it in August. You can find it. Packers big three, big year ahead. 
Jordan Love could be one and done if they have the opportunity to draft Williams or May. And right now, they're not in a position to do that. But if they lose on Sunday to the Rams, and like I mentioned, those two and 10, nine game losing streak. And I know everybody's saying, like, yeah, and they got a winnable stretch, kind of, between in December with the Giants and the Bucks and the Vikings and the Bears. But, like, how do you say with any confidence Green Bay is better than them? And guess what? They're probably getting worse between now and then. They just got worse in the cornerback room today. More guys are going to get hurt. Like, there's not – it's not like – I remember like 2021 where we kept waiting for Bakhtiari to come off of injured reserve or Zadarius Smith mm-hmm. to come off. Like those guys are not coming. There's mm-hmm. nothing coming to save this team. It is going to get worse. And the Packers, if they guaranteed no matter what happens that everyone is back in 2024, then that is franchise malpractice because I also, Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. I was, if, if you were going to say like, oh, Jordan could take a dump at midfield every single game. And he hasn't done that. I'm not saying he has. He's been more bad right, than right. good, but not right. like that. No, I get you. It, you can't just guarantee a guy two years be, just because Josh Rosen was so bad. The Arizona Cardinals drafted Kyler Murray and they were better for it. Um, is Kyler worth the contract he's gotten? No, but imagine where the Cardinals would have been if they punted on two more years because it's not fair to Josh Rosen. Fair is a place where they judge pigs. If this team sucks, get rid of the stink. Start over. Yeah, the the only other comment I wanted to make about this is at least the way I perceive the situation to say that that's not how the Packers operate. Really? Because uh, do you remember who the Packers took with the 56th overall pick of the 2008 NFL draft? Brian Brom, a quarterback in the second round, a top 60 pick before Aaron Rodgers had ever become the full-time starter. Correct. So yeah, don't tell me that they've never operated like this because a, you are right that this is unprecedented, at least in modern Packers history, at least in our lifetimes. And B, they actually have approached this differently. They were they were willing to say, we're going to bring in Brian freaking Brom in the second round and we're going to, he's going to get a chance because if you're on an NFL roster and you make it to training camp, you are getting a chance. That is just by default, essentially, unless again, you're run by complete morons like this is, and you might view that situation differently. And yeah, but Roger was the first rounder and we knew he was going to be a starter. Okay, fine. Whatever. That was a top 60 pick before he had even started a year. And guess what? If Rogers had sucked in 2008, there is a timeline somewhere where in 2009 or 2010, your starting quarterback is Brian Brom. Yep. So you can't just say, and I I say all of this, and I addressed this earlier, like none of these decisions are made by us. I'm not making any of these calls. You're not. Y'all listening, watching, pondering, whatever, are not making this call unless Brian Gutekunst is listening to this, in which case, dude, you probably have bigger things to do, but I appreciate the patronage. Like, we're not making that decision. It's just opinion and perception for us. But this is what the team has to work with. And you are 100% right, I think, Jacob, that at some point, self-preservation kicks in. And you've got to know, I got to save my job. Or I got to save all my front office's job. Or if you're Matt LaFleur, I got to make a call to make sure that my ass is safe. And if that includes, if they're going to stick with Jordan Love, fine. So be it. You are paid to make that decision. You better be right, though. And if they move on from him because they think that Drake May or Michael Penix or J.J. McCarthy or Jaden Daniels or someone else is a better option, sick. I hope that's the guy. But at some point, you've got to make that call. And that's the whole point of my question is that what is their evaluation going to look like in the end? And frankly, at this point, I don't really know what it is. I did want to get to this, though, because we we talked a little bit about Gary and Douglas wasn't on my list, but obviously he's one of the key pieces of this year's team. And we're a little short on time. And this is probably going to be a later season into the off season kind of question we revisit. But I was thinking right after it became 24 to three in the game on Sunday. And I was pissed. I was so mad. (laughs) Shocking, right? How many dudes on the 53 right now? How many guys at the Packers employ and dress every week right now? 
are guys that you like have an active conscious want to be on the roster in 2024. There will obviously be many of them. Like this isn't going to be coach prime at Colorado and you're going to have a whole new roster. That's not how you the believe? NFL works. Do you believe? Well, right now, no, uh, no, I really don't at the moment for in any context of that quote, but like that's, we're not saying get rid of everybody except this short list of guys we're picking, but I wrote it down in my phone. I've got a note in front of me right now. I put down 11 dudes who I would say I have a like conscious okay. active want to see rostered for this team next year. Okay. Let's see how many match. Cause I'm doing this shooting from the hip. So Rashawn Gary. Okay. Yes, Gary, absolutely. Jair Alexander. Uh, yes, I put Ja on there. Quay Walker. Yes. Um, I would have put Rasul Douglas on it before today's trade, but he's not here, so I don't have to do that now. Kenny right. Clark. Kenny Clark, yeah. Zach Tom. I, will I have add Zach the, Tom on there. I will Look add, at you. I will add the amendment of at center. <laughs> yeah, um, somewhere. I'll, Maybe not where he is right now, but somewhere I want Zach Right. Tom. Elton Jenkins. Um, I did not put Jenkins. He should be, I like literally don't have him on my list. He should be on there because I think he is better than what he has been for part of this season. Um, so yeah, I would toss him on the list as well. So make it 12. Okay. Um, wow. I mean, I'm not going to do the kicker and punter and all that. Cause I just, who gives no. a shit about kickers and punters no. and all that sort of stuff. Um, I know you said earlier that Devonte Wyatt has I think Wyatt has played better as a run defender recently. Um, so mm-hmm. I, he would make my list, uh, which is not a place I would have had him a couple of weeks ago, but he's played mm-hmm. better. So I'm willing to change my thoughts on that. Um, I had a different defensive lineman. TJ I did Slayton. not have Wyatt. Uh, no, I actually went with a different one. I went with one oh, of the gosh. draft picks. Carl Brooks. I went with Carl Brooks. I, I am willing to be the the training camp Homer guy here. I hate being that, but I'll be that for Carl Brooks. I really do think he's going to be a, a very steady player. So I had Brooks on my list for defense. He's been solid that's it for defense. Yeah. He's been solid. Uh, I mean, on offense, I think I just named the two like Aaron Jones is old and injured. And I, I love Aaron Jones. I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say that, but he's old, no, injured, expensive and plays running back. Like, yeah. All no, I'm with you. That's why I didn't have him on here. All those strikes eventually add up against you. Eventually, like none of the quarterbacks, uh, I think Musgrave has done some nice things to where I would probably have him on that list. I mean, even the receivers, like of the receivers, the one I think that's playing the best is Jaden Reed. And mm-hmm. like, I would have him on the list, but like even Watson and Dobbs, neither one of them has gotten better this year. And I'm still curious about Dobbs's ceiling as a long-term player. Anyways, mm-hmm. Watson, I still believe in, but like, I got to see it at some point, man. And maybe it's just the quarterback. And like, if that changed, everything else would change. But like, I don't know what number I came up with out of that, but I think that's where my list basically ends. There's not many. No, that's entirely fair. The change I had, I lo- I put the top four receivers on there. Plus Musgrave. I put all, all the young guys. I have Watson, Dobbs, Wicks, Reed, and Musgrave on there. And I say that like, totally understanding the perspective you said dude the i i'm out on these guys like i'm frustrated by them i don't like the ceiling for dobbs or i don't think that wicks is ever going to be more than wide receiver four or xyz other reasons well i will listen to all of those and i totally respect the opinion and maybe i am maybe i'm being too much of the guy that we always make fun of the draft guy who just can't give it up but i do still think based on what we have seen in a still albeit small sample size of christian watson that is a guy worth keeping around because I think there is something there. I think there is still something explosive and dynamic there. I like Jaden Reed a lot. I think Reed is a nailed-on guy because I I think he is on a fairly normal trajectory as a rookie receiver right now. I'm, I'm not happy with his play necessarily on Sunday, but I like where he is. I like what he brings. I like Musgrave for the same reasons you mentioned him. And yeah, Dobbs is never going to be like Justin Jefferson. He's never going to be Jamar Chase. He's never going to be even, well, T Higgins has kind of sucked this year, but like prior to this year, like he's never going to be that kind of guy. I think he can be a solid receiver though. And frankly, 
Look around the rest of the roster. How many guys can you say right now are undeniably solid? And at the very least, depending on who your quarterback is, he's got a good he's got a good chemistry with Jordan Love. How much is that worth if Love's not the guy long-term? Maybe nothing at all. But as things are currently constructed with the option that 10 might be your quarterback next year, I think there's value in that. And I like Wicks. I, I think Dontavian Wicks has something there. I don't know what it is. Maybe he ends up not ever being, again, more than a third or fourth option. But I do think there's something there. So I would say keep a lot of the receiving core, especially because they're young, and it can be hard for pass catchers to acclimate to the NFL. But that, I mean, that's... That's it. Like, how many starters did we not name? Most of both the offense and defense. And if you're lower on the receivers than me, then you may have only picked three guys or less on offense. And I I have a hard time blaming you for that. Yeah, and I know that, like, they will keep them, and they probably – like, I'm not suggesting they cut any of those people. Exactly, or anything yeah. like that, obviously. But I don't think any of those guys is stopping you from – up. like, Romeo Dobbs is not stopping you from upgrading at receiver. Like, you're not – Yeah not picking Keon Coleman, for example, because, wow, we got Romeo or, well, we got Christian. Like, no, they need guys there. You know, you're not, Mm -hmm. not picking Joe Alt because you have Rasheed Walker and are like, Oh no, we got sheet. We're fine. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know. My rage is building at the mention of that. You can't do that. And the Packers have done that. And I think Packer fans to some degree, Oh, we can't draft a guard. We got John Runyon. Like John Runyon's a player you can upgrade from. Yep. Uh, some of the D Lowry or Lowry, maybe not the greatest example, but there are guys in the recent past that it's like, you don't not pick this position. And I did this, this off season, shout out to every single person that yelled at me for saying Green Bay doesn't need an offensive tackle. When I said that I would want them to pick Paris Johnson, if he were available. Hi, hello. Congratulations. You see why? You don't not pick an offensive tackle because Josh Nyman is on your team, who they don't even want to freaking play. Rasheed Walker's been a yeah. dumpster for four weeks. They have no desire to put Nyman on the field until they did. And they did it, and LaFleur was kind of like, I thought we needed a change. Like, you think? I think maybe like, you know, three games ago, that might have been a good idea. But okay, whatever, what do I know? They don't have, like, again, like when you have Devontae Adams – you're not trying to replace him. When you have Aaron Rodgers, well, <laughs> when you have Aaron Rodgers, not trying to replace him in theory, right? Funny thing about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, interesting, right? Uh, the thing about the rest of this team, though, is who aren't you trying? Like, we, I think we just mentioned most of the guys. Guys, you're not actively trying to replace. And the other scary part of this whole thing is I just said I want Zach Tom playing center. That means they need two offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Because I don't yeah. have, I never was sold on, oh, Rashid's the left tackle of the future. No, come on now. He's a seventh round pick and he's a functional player. Cool. That's positive. We don't have to make it more than what it is. The same deal with like John Runyon, who I thought was a nice player, but never something like, oh, Green Bay's got the, like when they had Jenkins and Runyon, I never was like, oh, they got sitting and laying reincarnated. It's like, yeah. well, no, Runyon is passable and consistent and steady. And this year he's been awful, but I don't know. There, there's a lot of positions they need to upgrade on. I think the line of scrimmage as a whole could use a revamp kind of on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Um, and that's scary because, you know, that's the foundation of your team. And Green Bay's not good at either. And, you know, the scary part is going into the draft, and this is a very long time from now, but as of right now, there isn't a position Green Bay can be like, oh, we're good there. Like, we're all right there. It's not good. No, no, it's not. It's not. I'm, I'm with you on that. The, the one thing I will say, draft picks-wise, and I use that phrasing very specifically, I hope this front office would be willing. Now, you've got five picks in the top 100 right now for next year, which is, I mean, that's valuable. There's a whole lot of value in that. I would say I hope this front office is willing to move a couple of those to go get a better player. Like if you had an opportunity to go get a, I don't know what position it would be. So maybe that maybe I'm not being completely fair with my take here, but if you can go get a legitimate defensive lineman who is an established player, or you can go get anyone on the offensive line who is an established player that you are going to get a legitimate 
upgrade from what you have now. And frankly, at left tackle, that's not going to be all that difficult. At right guard, that's not going to be all that difficult. And at center, if you're not putting Tom there, sure as hell wouldn't be difficult there either. Be willing to go get that guy. Be aggressive. Because right now, if you're talking about survival mode, you're talking about what does this future look like, you're talking about, I mean, we got to tear it all down, like truly tear it all down after next year if it doesn't work, then be aggressive. Be willing to go make those big plays. And I know that's not really the Packers ethos, but I can't, and I'm I'm not trying to be the, the people who, oh my God, the, the Bears made additions at the trade deadline. Why can't we? Oh my God, Goot cooked again. I'm not trying to be that guy because I, I hate that. Like, I, I don't think it's very so you want right. them to trade those well picks for out. veterans. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I mean, I don't, I think they need more of a veteran presence, especially going into 2024. Cause this team, again, I just mentioned they're going to get worse. They're also going to get younger if that's possible between now and the end yeah. of the year, for like the guys on the field. Cause eventually like sure. if this seems terrible, like Preston Smith is going to seed snaps to Lucas Van Ness and Kingsley and Agbury and maybe even Brenton Cox, like players like that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think they need a little bit more on the veteran side of things. I think they underestimated the value of guys that have played professional football before. And some of this again is just taking their medicine from what they've done over the last two or three years. Yeah. You know, that's part of it too. Unfortunately, paying the piper sucks and that's what green Bay's doing right now. The hope was that having a succession plan at quarterback at place would mitigate some of those issues. But unfortunately the way, in my opinion, that this whole thing is built, doesn't make any sense. The Packers offensive head coach is an outside zone. Want to run the ball type of coach. The running back they've drafted him was AJ Dillon, who is not a finesse runner. The offensive coordinator is a offensive line coach who at its core wants to run the football. It's 2023. That speaks for itself. And They've spent draft capital on quarterbacks trying to evaluate a new quarterback, but have put virtually nobody around him that has played professional football for more than 16 games before. That's interesting to me. And on defense, like Matt LaFleur, <laughs> Matt LaFleur said last year that continuity was the biggest key in this league. And now they, oh, and then I didn't even finish offensive line. They draft converted tackles to play on the inside. They've had a lot of success there, so it's kind of hard to argue with them. But they want to run the ball and move guys off their spot. Well, you don't have run blockers. These guys aren't good at that. None of it makes sense. Like, it's all a giant mess. I think it's a byproduct of poor team construction. And a lot of warts get covered up when you got 12 and 17 on the same team. And and, – 69 playing at a hall of fame level. And granted those Packers teams, this is different, but like mm-hmm. the job is different now than the one Gutekunst and LaFleur took over. And I don't know if they're the right people fit for that position. And that's, yeah. it's tough to say because I thought Matt LaFleur was a really good coach and maybe he is for teams that are a little more veteran laden, but this group it's man, if the Packers are two and 10, I would put the odds very high that he's going to get fired. And should I? Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, you, you have to turn up the heat. I think it's healthy skepticism to say, "Is this the right group?" Because it's not working right now, and this is about to be two straight years without the playoffs. One of those, you had a Hall of Fame quarterback who wasn't playing like a Hall of Famer. I respect, I understand that, but there aren't a lot of coaches that make it more than three years without postseasons. And when you are title town, you say this all the time. When you're title town, it's not division title town. It no, it, it damn sure isn't. Let's just occasionally qualify for the playoffs town. And, and I got one more damn rant for my freaking Twitter timeline. And just, it is not, we better just be better than the goddamn Chicago bears town either. Stop comparing the green Bay Packers to the Chicago bears. That is not the standard at all. The, I own you stuff is fun. Cool. Great. The goal is to be better than the team that finished with the worst record in the NFL last year and is trending towards doing that again. So forever, like we're getting dangerously close. There are people that are saying it. Oh, I don't care what green Bay's final record is. As long as they beat Chicago twice. Loser behavior. Loser behavior. What? You don't care. 
If they go two and fifteen and lose to beat Chicago twice, you're good. No, no, that is not at all how this. The goal is to be better than the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Niners, the Seahawks, the teams that are the cream of the crop. That is the whole point of winning. Isn't everything? It's the only thing. Have higher standards. God damn it. I preach. No, you're right. You're I. I hate that, and you are 100 right. And I'm glad you shared that with us. Thank you for enlightening us. We do have to get out of here fairly soon. No freezer burn for us today, but so we do have time for a quick pick for the game. Uh, the over-under for this game is 39 and a half points, which is very funny. The it's not spread... quite. Have you seen the over-under for Northwestern and Iowa at Wrigley? Oh, I have. And I am very ready to bet the under 29 and a half points when we get the opportunity this week. Um, what a disgrace to his name that quarterback for Iowa is. He should be better based on name alone. How dare you? What's his name, Jacob? Deacon Hill. And his name is Deacon, which is the name of my son. You should be better based on that alone. The Packers are favored by three. This line jumped the fence pretty early on, likely because of the up-in-the-air status for Matthew Stafford this week. Also, the fact that the Rams' contingency plan at quarterback is essentially like that. That's what their quarterback room is right now. Dude, John Wolford said, no, I'd rather stay on the with the Bucks than come back to the Rams where I've actually played before. Tells you all you need to know. All right, Packers favored by three. The total is under 40 points. What do you got? I'm a little bummed that that means Stafford probably isn't going to play because I don't know what it is about him, but I enjoy watching the Packers kick his ass. Like I, just ha- I have for 15. 15- there was a meme I saw once that it was Stafford when he was a little bit you know, heavier and kind of had the locks falling out of his hair and he had his hat on backwards. And it was like Stafford is the dude who shows up to your friend's house goes and leaves, blows the bathroom to smithereens and comes out the door and asks where the plunger is. Like, that's what Matthew Stafford looks like. It's hilarious, and it's funnier if the actual meme was seen, but I can't find it for whatever reason. But I love it. Unfortunately, it doesn't sound like he's going to play. That being said, who's covering Cooper Cup? Who's covering... Who's covering Puka Nakua? Right. I mean... (laughs) Paul Brettel said to me before the game started on Sunday that his article started with fool me once, shame on you, and fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not picking the Packers to win again until they show me. And I am not either. I, again, if Green, if this Packers team cannot beat Brett Rippon and the Rams, who are mid at best, yeah, but without Stafford, like bad, most likely. Yeah. If they can't win that game, when are they winning again? I do not know. I, I do not know. I don't, and like I said, I think the, the team got worse today. They just did. Mm-hmm. It just happened. Yep. Sure. Jair Alexander, who knows if he's going to play. Like, yep. he could, might not. If he doesn't, then you're talking about Keyshawn Nixon and guys that were on the practice squad. of Some of them on the Packers and some of them elsewhere. Like, it's not good. And they'll probably sign another guy or two to the practice squad and elevate him. That's just how that's going to work. And Aaron Donald is going to eat Jordan Love alive. Not just Jordan, but the guys that are attempting to block him. Sean Runyon. Yeah, I'm going Rams 17-13. Because I don't know how Green Bay scores any points, but I feel like they'll turn the ball over enough and Daryl Henderson will run for a touchdown that has everybody going, oh yeah, Daryl Henderson. He was a running back once currently on one of my fantasy teams no one cares about my fantasy team but he i actually employ him that that's that'll tell you all you need to know about how i play i have him too and my team's lost three straight i traded for Devonte adams and my season fell apart justin jefferson got hurt at the same time that didn't help that nobody that's cares tough. about this um i think you're giving this game too much credit offensively give me i'm gonna take the rams too because again i I can't pick the Packers. I want to. If you've listened to any Packers podcast I've ever done in my life, you know how much it pains me to not pick the Packers to win a game. But how can I with the way they're playing? Um, I don't think we're going to have even 30 total points in this game. I'm going to pick Rams 13 to 11. That's what I'm going to pick. And in all likelihood, the Packers aren't going to score in the first half. And you know what that's going to make me do? Really get pissed off. And I don't like that. And I hate that you people have done this to me. And you people being the football team that I invest all of my emotional attention in. So thanks. I 
Sorry. I just need to vent a little bit. It's been tough, man. I, it's been tough for all fans. That's why people 73 are to nine in the first half since week three, by the way, 73 to nine. Can't survive that way, man. It's a sink or swim year and they are drowning with a boat falling on top of them in the water. Like that, that's with an anvil tied right now. Yeah. With an anvil tied to their ankles. It's bad. It's all bad. We've tried nothing and we're out of ideas. It's great. It'd be sick if maybe they surprise us. I doubt it, but I guess that's what makes surprises. We'll be watching the game with you, of course. Make sure you're checking out all of Jacob's work over at Packers Central. He does a phenomenal job. I know all the people who are mean to him in the comment section every week don't want to hear it, but Jacob does do a great job writing for Bill Huber and Sports Illustrated over at Packers Central. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Find me on the radio in Topeka, 580 AM. You can find us online, 580WIBW.com, every weekday from 2 until 6. We will join you coming up next week as we get ready for maybe a Packers win, or maybe not. They're going to have to play the Steelers' defense. Best of luck to our boys in that one. One way or the other, we're going to join you coming up next week right back here on the Pick 6, brought to you, as always, by your friends at Game on Wisconsin. We will talk to you guys coming up next week. 